0: Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Knowledge with Homage. I am your host, David Castle, a.k.a. Homage. I'm currently driving through California right now, so if it sounds a little weird, that's probably why I'm going like 70 miles an hour right now. But it has been a while since my last podcast, so I wanted to record something and uh, let you guys know what I've been thinking about lately and what's been going through my mind. Now, there's a few things I wanted to talk about um, the first of them being a movie that I recently watched. Almost watched the whole thing. I actually left, which I've never done that before at the movies. But I fucking hated this, mu- uh, this movie. It was called Doctor Sleep. And I was really excited to go see it. Because they made it seem like it was a sequel to The Shining. And I love that movie. That is a magnificent movie. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. Written by Stephen King you got fucking Jack Nicholson in it. It was just a great movie. One of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. And they made it seem like Dr. Sleep was going to be like, once the kid Danny was all grown up, and he goes back to the hotel or something. That's what I assumed it would be like. Uh, but it was nothing like that at all. They kind of like, they're riding the wave of The Shining and making it seem like it has something to do with that. It has nothing to do with it. Although it was written by Stephen King supposedly... Obviously, it's not directed by Stanley Kubrick. He died a long time ago, right after he made Eyes Wide Shut. Which is that Tom Cruise movie where they're doing a bunch of Illuminati shit. And yeah, he died right before that movie even came out, I believe. And then there's a bunch of deleted scenes. That movie didn't even come out the way he wanted it. Because he was dead, and then they took it back to the fucking producers or whatever, and they made them cut a bunch of scenes. Which is weird, but... Anyway, so Doctor Sleep, fucking terrible movie. So it, it has nothing to do with The Shining, once again. And then the the, guy, the main character is supposed to be Danny, right? And he's like an alcoholic and a drug addict. He makes some chick overdose and kills her baby and stuff and and then he tries to clean himself up and he moves to some other city and some guy takes him in. He starts going to AA you know, turning his life around, but he still has the shine, is what they call it, whereas you can see things that are happening, you know, in other places of the world, and basically you tap into the collective unconscious of the world, and then you see a bunch of crazy shit, and that's what Danny can do. Well, he goes over to this other place, and then he communicates with this other girl who has the shine, who is in some other part of the country, And it turns out there's this group of, like, Satanists, witches or some shit that travel in a pack, and then they go find these kids, and then they kidnap them, and they murder them, and they fucking drink their blood, and then they just torture the fuck out of them so they can have more of what they call, ah, fuck, what do they call it? It's not spirit. Steam. They call it steam. And, uh, which is basically a metaphor for adrenochrome and adrenochrome is it's a chemical compound that gets produced in the body when there's a lot of adrenaline running through your veins and that's why a lot of cultures throughout time and people still today will sacrifice people and torture them and murder them and then drink their blood is because that adrenochrome is like the most powerful crazy fucking drug in the whole world uh, like ever and it's a super elite thing And, uh, you know, it's been rumored that a lot of people in Hollywood do it, and Illuminati motherfuckers. So, that's what this whole movie is about, Doctor Sleep. There's this group of, like, gypsy, fucking Satan-worshipping, uh, immortal people who travel around the world looking for these kids to kidnap, and then fucking torture, and then... And it's really graphic. They, like, show all this shit in the movie, it's disgusting. It's like, what the fuck? It's not even scary, because there's no storyline story that goes with it; it's just the shock value of it, and people fucking eat that shit up. I remember looking around in the theater and being like, "Wow, how the fuck are people watching this? It's disgusting." And uh, eventually, I was like, "Dude, I gotta go," because knowing what I know about the people who rule the world, and especially after all of the Epstein stuff came out, where you know it's pretty much fucking mainstream news now that the elite of the world are into pedophilia and uh, fucking sex trafficking and who knows what else I mean who knows how many kids actually get killed there's a lot and uh it's for this adrenochrome stuff they get off on on murdering kids and torturing them because the more scared they make the person and the more pain they put them through the more adrenochrome gets released and then you know when they drink the blood it's fucking extra dank I guess or some shit you know it really gets them fucked up, and they love it, because they're some evil people. Well, that's what this movie, Dr. Sleep, was about, and you could tell that whoever, you know, made this movie, uh, Stephen King and his director homie who made it, you could tell they know all about that, because that's just what it's about. So that's my quick movie review. Don't watch Dr. Sleep. It's a terrible movie, and do your research on adrenochrome, because that's what that whole movie is about and it's just they're throwing it right in our faces and mocking us as if the Epstein shit didn't just fucking happen earlier this year you know and uh, by the way Epstein didn't kill himself in case you guys forgot that's just you know something you gotta keep in mind as well and yeah fuck Dr. Sleep I left fucking before that movie even ended which I've never done that before but this movie was just terrible moving on to other news I recently went to Paradise, California. Uh, I went last week, and I went a couple days ago, and that was just insane. And for those of you who don't know, Paradise, California, is where that devastating wildfire was. It started on November eighth, two thousand eighteen. It was called the Camp Fire, and wow, man, I have never seen anything like that. It was like a, it was like a fucking Call of Duty map everything just devastated, there's burnt cars everywhere, I went to go find the areas that I'd seen in pictures, and it it turns out they were mobile home parks, like trailer trailer parks, and uh, the images were really striking, because it was a whole trailer park, and all of them were, oh shit, there's a fucking deer, dude, almost smashed a fucking deer right now. I'm safe, though. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what was I talking about? Okay, Paradise, California. Yeah, so you seen online after the fire all of these pictures. And, you know, one of the most visually striking ones was of a mobile home park. And the reason why I was so crazy is because all of the houses were just fucking pulverized. They were devastated, just ashes. But all of the trees around them, they had all their leaves and stuff. And it's just like, what the fuck? Doesn't make any sense, right? Which is why a lot of people were saying that maybe some sort of you know laser weapon was involved, a directed energy weapon similar to you know Tesla's death ray that was invented over a hundred years ago. Um, the government, after Tesla died, took all of his notes and built upon his work. And Tesla was working with the government too. He was he believed in America. He loved America because. He came here and, it you know, he couldn't have made uh, what he did, you know, it wouldn't have been possible in any other country in the world. America was the only place where that was possible. So he fucking loved America and was trying to help them. And uh, the American government had their own agenda, which unfortunately didn't have the American public, you know, in mind. We're not going to benefit from that. Anyways, they built upon his work. Directed energy weapons now exist. They're mounted to aircraft carriers. You can go on YouTube and see videos of them blowing up F-16 fighter jets straight out of the fucking sky with a laser beam, which moves at the speed of light, which is pretty much instantaneous. I mean, it's fucking insane. Anyways, uh, you go around Paradise, California, and you see all of these weird signs that you wouldn't see in a normal wildfire. I mean, for example, just houses that are all gone, but all of the trees around them are still alive and they still have fucking leaves. They don't even look burnt up. And same with the electrical lines. Now, what they've tried to do is blame Pacific Gas and Electric for these fires. And I am not quite buying that. I feel like they are the scapegoat. And in reality, it's something else. I mean, this is all you know, fucking, I don't know, I guess you would call it assumption, or speculation, rather. But I don't think that it had to do with down power lines. It was just too weird. Now, what I do think it may have involved are three things. One of them being the chemtrails, because what they do, they're spraying out these heavy metals and fucking God knows what. There's all sorts of different substances that get sprayed. And Northern California gets hit hard. I live right next to there. I live in Northern Nevada. You know, I'm on the fucking cusp of California. I go there all the time. And it's, they have very similar weather to us. And they spray the skies fucking constantly. And it's, it's crazy, dude. Like, all the fucking time. Now, what the chemtrails do is they fall down to the earth, obviously, you know, because of gravity and shit. They dry out the vegetation, and they make them more susceptible to wildfire. So you have that right off the bat. And uh, they can control the weather. They can increase the wind speeds, which is what they did around the time of the Paradise, you know, the campfire. The winds were just fucking insane. So wildfire just, it travels like wildfire. You have these high winds, and... uh, It just devastates whole entire areas like almost instantaneously. It's insane. So, you have the chemtrails drying out all the vegetation and you know, killing it as well and making it more susceptible to catching on fire. And then, on top of that, you have the smart meters. Now, what the smart meters do, uh, I'm not an expert on the smart meters, I just know that there's some fishy shit going on with them. Basically, what it allows the utilities companies to do, and whoever controls the utilities companies, which, by the way, PG&E was owned by the Rothschilds, I think he recently gave it up, probably to a front man, they own fucking everything, the Illuminati, New World Order, fucking whatever you want to call them, group, you know, CFR, fucking Bilderberg, Bohemian Grove, motherfuckers, they own all the utilities companies, and they always have, and that's just the way it works. Now... Oh, I'm coming up to a fucking check station. Hold up. Made me lose my train of thought. Uh anyways. So the smart meters. Now I don't know if they work as some sort of receiver for the directed energy weapon, like the fucking laser beam, you know, is attracted to the smart meter, or if they can just supply extra power to the smart meter and therefore cause the house to explode and catch on fire. But there's something just weird about these things because it's all connected. Oh, okay, I'm good. She let me through. Thank God. All right, back to the fucking podcast. So the smart meters, I don't know. They're just too fishy. It's all part of this smart grid where they want every house linked into one thing, into one central hub where they can access... All the information about your house and, you know, what type of electricity you're using, this and that. Now, think about this. Once again, this is speculation again, but if they can shut off the power to your house, which they have been doing all around Northern California. In fact, when I left Paradise the other day, they were shutting off the power that night for fear of wildfire. Um, So they can shut off the power to everyone due to the smart meters. Well, what they can also do is supply... A fucking crazy amount of power, like way too much power into a house, and make that shit blow up, because if there's too much electricity going through all these lines, it can only handle so much of a voltage, or so much of a current, it just makes shit catch on fire, so, you know, that could be something as well, and then, of course, you have the directed energy weapons, which, you know, I saw a lot of weird stuff while I was there, I mean, just cars that were burnt to fucking a crisp, and then you see... You know, big giant steel containers that are just completely crumbled like a fucking aluminum can. Like you take a, you chug a beer and then squeeze it in your hand. That's what these big steel containers look like that you would find on a train. Now, a regular fire, I don't give a fuck how hot this fire is. A forest fire cannot do that to a steel container. It could, it could burn it and char it and make it look rusted and stuff. But it's not going to completely twist the metal. And you know, do that too. It's just impossible. It's, it's not hot enough to do that. Um, maybe an explosion of some kind could do that if there was some sorts of chemicals in there, like a welding factory or something. But another strange thing that I noticed there was that none of the gas stations burnt down. The actual gas pumps, where all the flammable stuff is, they were completely undamaged. But the food marts were completely gone. It's like, what the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. You have this super hot wildfire and it comes through and it you know, burns down a little quickie mart, but it doesn't burn down the fucking the gas pumps and it doesn't make them explode. What's up with that? And other things that were undamaged were the banks. None of the banks got fucked up. But, you know, all the mom and pop stores. I mean, the city is a ghost town. 90% of the population is left and the people who do remain... You know, luckily, some people still have their houses. But even so, you know, if your business was based out of there, there's no more business. So you can't, like, work there anymore. Um, You're kind of fucked. So a lot of people who had their houses burned down, they had to move elsewhere. They moved to, like, Chico. A lot of people moved to where I live in Carson City, the Reno, Tahoe area. You know, they had to get out of there because there's no more work. There's no more left to live. Some of the people who remained are living in trailers and fifth wheels, And it's just sad to go around and see that shit, man. There were so many just burnt cars and, like, I don't know, dude. We filmed a music video there, though, which, if anyone is from there, you know, no disrespect or nothing. I just wanted to go there and see it. And once I saw it, I was like, fuck, I gotta film a video here because it's just, it's insane. I've never seen anything like it, so... So, yeah, I mean, other things that I saw, like you're, you're walking through where somebody once lived and there's just nothing left. And it's just so, it's surreal to, to look at and then to see these cars. And you could watch the Netflix documentary, um, which is pretty intense. I mean, it was a well-done documentary, honestly. And they take, you know, cell phone footage from people who are in paradise. And they just kind <clears> of <throat> run you through the scenario like in real time and kind of puts you in the shoes of people who were trying to get out of that town. And a lot of people couldn't get out. I think almost 100 people died, which is insane. And uh, But the thing I did not like about the documentary, which I believe is called Fire in Paradise, the thing I didn't like about it is that they insinuate right from the get-go that it has to do with two things, Pacific Gas and Electric and climate change. And that's always the fucking agenda, is the climate change thing. And then Pacific Gas and Electric is the scapegoat. So you have this trillion dollar, fucking multi-billion dollar company who uh, just made a mistake, you know, it was their bad. And, uh, (laughs) you know, all these people die and, and that's just how it is and they still control everything and that's that. And then you have climate change, which is complete bullshit. I go over it almost in every show climate change is the thing they're using to bring in the new world order and bring in the one world government, which they have long desired and spoken about for, you know, almost 100 years now. And it's so effective because they control the weather, right? They're spraying this, these metallic particulates into the sky, creating an ionized atmosphere, and then they use these ionospheric heaters to create storm systems to fucking manipulate the jet stream and change where precipitation is going to happen and things like that so the weather is completely controlled meanwhile they they fuck with the weather and they make it very weird and they have abnormal things happen like bigger storms and more frequent and all of that and every storm is unprecedented they they have the news media which is complicit and then they will say, "Oh, you know, a storm of this magnitude hasn't happened in 100 years or 50 years and we're all going to die. And what's the reason for this? Oh, it's climate change. And therefore, you have to stop driving your cars. You have to fucking, you know, you can't heat your house anymore. You're going to have to pay more taxes. Uh, you're going to have to get an electric car. Elon Musk is the god, right, of, of the climate change era. He's like our fucking messiah or some shit, which is such a joke. I mean, that guy is such a phony. I don't care who you are. I don't trust that guy one fucking bit. I think he's a CIA front man, honestly. I really do. Because he gets too much publicity, and his his all his companies and his, his image and his agenda just all jive so, like, right hand in hand with the New World Order, like, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030. Shit, I mean, he's fucking doing everything they want, and he's popularizing the electric car And uh, Because the goal is to get everyone off the roads. It's to get people off of the land, into the cities, and make it so only, you know, licensed, approved people can drive cars for public purposes. Like, you know, the cops can have them, of course, and maybe firefighters and paramedics. Other than that, we're fucked. We got to use public transportation. Maybe if you have enough money, you can have your own car. But it's all about control. They want to get everyone into the cities. They want complete surveillance on everyone, which they pretty much already have because we voluntarily give it to them through our cell phones, through the internet, and that was pretty much why the internet was invented was as a mass surveillance tool. Now, anyways, I I went off on a tangent, but the climate change thing, it's just, it's such a fucking, it's such a good idea to, (laughs) to do what they're doing. Like, they really thought hard about this and they fucking nailed it with this idea because with climate change or global warming as they used to call it but now it's climate change because sometimes it's cold sometimes it's warm they don't know what's going on I mean all of the science can be manipulated so they, they made it so we are our own enemy it's not like somebody from the outside who is doing something to us no it's just us like we're doing it to ourselves and we are killing our own planet and I mean, dude, think about it. You really think this planet that has fucking, you know, tsunamis and tornadoes and hurricanes and volcanic eruptions, just these overwhelming landslides and fucking earthquakes, these crazy processes that have taken place on this planet for billions of years, you really think you're going to change the fucking weather and destroy this planet by driving a fucking Bronco or a fucking Ram truck or something? Dude, it's not going to happen. It's simply impossible. The amount of CO2 we release is just, it's insignificant in comparison to the amount of CO2 that a volcanic eruption would release. So to believe that this is happening, I mean, it's just dumb, but what are people supposed to believe when that's what they see on the news all the time? I mean, you know, it's beaten into your head. They brainwash the kids in school, you know, they're they're terrorizing these kids every day in school and making them think that they're not going to grow up and they're not even going to have a planet to live on. They're making it seem like it's going to be like fucking Mad Max or something. It's not going to be like that, dude. Like this planet has survived through a lot crazier shit than, you know, your fucking V6 engine. You know, like it's just ridiculous to think that. And it's, it's totally a political agenda the scientific academic community is such a joke I mean, all of their funding depends on grants from the government and all of the government's money depends on stealing it from the public, you know, because we create labor, we create wealth by doing work the government does nothing to create wealth they just steal it um, and that is what they have always done that's what kings and queens have done it's not like they're out there in the fields doing the work and creating the food and And the raw materials and turning them into machines and shit. No, they don't do that shit. They just fucking run shit. And they have a monopoly on force. So, therefore, they have a police force and a military and things of that nature. And if you don't comply with what they do, then they send in their goons to fuck you up and take their fucking money. They're like, fuck you, pay me, type shit. So, that's the way it's always been. And there's always been people who are willing to do that job. are willing to sell out their fellow man and become a fucking cop or a knight or a crusader or whatever the case may be there's always been people who are willing to do that and uh, the way that they do it is they catch them young and of course propaganda plays a big part into that you know movies video games things like that but the reason why they can uh, get a kid so young is because they're young and impressionable they especially a young man now he wants to prove himself. He thinks he's indestructible. He thinks that, you know, he will go to war and it'll be so fucking glorious and he's really fighting for his country and making a difference and on top of that they'll pay for school once he gets out and they'll pay him good and you know, he'll be treated with respect and honor and and shit like that and they'll get to wear the hat and get uh you know, 3 dollar pancakes at fucking Denny's and shit. And you know, that's really all it takes. And people will sign up for that shit, men and women, and increasingly more and more women, because, well, because, you know, they're reversing the gender roles and things like that, making it so a woman can do anything a man can do, and, you know, vice versa. Well, not really vice versa. Although, <laughs> something that's pretty funny is the the dude athletes who, you know, become transgender, and then they fucking whoop ass at wrestling that shit's fucking hilarious to me (laughs) and you'll see him up on the podium they just made a South Park about that so you gotta watch that it's hilarious but this is real life this is the new normal that we live in so it's uh, it's shameful that that's the way the world works but that is reality and most people don't they can't comprehend reality they don't want to know it they live in this little fantasy world where they're their main goal is to be constantly entertained and the thing is you know that's what not that's not what life is about it's not what it's for i mean being having fun and being entertained is part of it but it's not the main goal of life that's not why you were sent here to live this human life it is more to build yourself as a person and to, uh, you know progress spiritually and uh, yeah, money is a part of it. And there's nothing wrong with having money or being wealthy or being successful. But when that is what your entire goal is for life, then you know you might start seeing problems. I don't know. That's just my opinion. So moving onwards, uh, somebody who I have been uh, researching heavily lately, and I've always been into him, is uh, Carl Jung. Carl Jung was a psychologist, or was he a psychiatrist? I always get the two mixed up. He was a contemporary of Freud, and he was really, really into the unconscious mind, and he would experiment on himself, and he basically drove himself nuts, just like Nietzsche did, but he didn't quite go as crazy as Nietzsche, where he like killed himself like he did, Friedrich Nietzsche, um, but... Carl Jung would do some crazy shit. He kept this book called The Red Book. And it was a, a journal of all, all of his dreams and his just his imagination and things that went through his mind. And it basically drove him crazy because he was just so in touch with the unconscious that he came to a point where he didn't know what was reality and what wasn't. He slept with a gun under his pillow because he fucking thought he was going to you know, thinking about killing himself, because he was going nuts, and he didn't know what was real and what wasn't. Eventually, he was okay, though, and the reason why he did this was to put himself in the shoes of his patients and try to understand their neuroses and where they came from and and how to help them, which he did help a lot of people. He's an incredibly brilliant man and just a fucking genius. Now, one thing uh, he was really into was something called synchronicity, and basically what synchronicity is is a meaningful coincidence now I thought this was very interesting because he had some some instances that happened that were you know pretty significant and one of them being he was in his office with a patient and she was telling him all about this dream she had with a beetle with a scarab beetle and this and that, and this is how he would treat his patients a lot of the time is by looking at looking at their dreams and going through them and try to trying to get people to explain their dreams to him and figure things out for themselves because his whole thing was that uh the dreams are a reflection of your unconscious they might reveal some repressed emotion or or something like that, and it would help them overcome their neurosis and overcome this psychological condition that they have because your unconscious is like it, it needs something, it's, it's giving you these signs that you need to reveal this and address this and like figure it out and stuff now with this lady, so she had this dream about the scarab beetle and it was a golden beetle you would find in Egypt and uh, if you've ever seen the mum, the mummy, uh, when they go into the tomb and like are looking for the Egyptian book of the dead, there's all these beetles and stuff Now, she had a dream about this, and at the same time she's telling him about this dream, he hears this tapping on the window behind him. He looks behind him and opens the window, and a fucking beetle flies right in, right into his hand. It was, like, amazing, you know? Like, what a coincidence, right? And he says, here's your beetle. And after that, that woman was cured. And the reason why she was cured was because her viewpoint of the world was very empirical and very logical and there was no, you know, nothing beyond that. It was very scientific and logical and she didn't believe in anything beyond that. And the reason why she had this neurosis was because she was blocking out kind of that spiritual aspect to her and certain people, they need to express that, that part of them more or else it'll lead to these psychological conditions, which is why when this amazing, you know, synchronicity coincidence happened it fucking hit her like a ton of bricks and was like holy shit maybe I don't know everything that's happening maybe everything can't be explained by traditional science and stuff like that so I thought that was an interesting story but I wanted to share with you some some weird shit that has happened in my life that was just like out there you know like what the fuck how the fuck did that happen and I'll start at one I was um I was probably like 16 or 17 years old I was in my backyard of my house, sitting on a chair, smoking a spliff. I was smoking some weed, right? Now, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I roll a pretty fucking good spliff, I and mean, this shit's professional quality, and uh, you know, perfect bars. It's like a, it's like a perfect tube, and I put a little crutch in there at the end. And what a crutch is for those of you non- weed smokers out there, it's where you roll up a little piece of cardboard that you get from like a business card or something, and. Uh, You make it so the end of the joint doesn't close It it makes for a nice smoking experience It's like a filter you would find on a cigarette But it doesn't filter anything It just makes it so the little hole doesn't close You don't get a bunch of resin on your lips So I'm smoking one of my spliffs And you know having a good old time And then I get about Halfway through it And then it fell out of my hands It fell out of my hand And it fell right onto the ground Which you know I know crazy right But listen to this it fell standing up so the shit was like standing vertically on the ground and I swear I couldn't nobody could do that in a million tries if they tried to fucking throw something throw a cigarette imagine throwing a cigarette or in this case half a joint which is split so half cigarette half weed and then having it fucking land vertically standing on the fucking crutch still smoking still on you know like still lit and that was just the craziest fucking shit ever. And outside, too. And obviously, it wasn't windy or anything, or else it wouldn't have worked. And uh, it fell right onto the concrete and stood right up and was just like, what the fuck? And so that was amazing. And that kind of opened my eyes. Like, holy shit. Like, really, anything is possible. Now, fast forward. ahead of this, which I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. I once... Hey, my best friend growing up, his name was CJ. Uh, super funny guy, you know, great guy. And um, we hung out all the time. But as we grew up, you know, he got into drugs pretty bad. He would do pills and stuff like morphine and Zen just whatever the fuck he could get his hands on. Muscle relaxers, Vicodin, Perkset, whatever the fuck. And um, he would, like, do them with his mom or get them from his mom or his uncle and shit. And they were just what he was into, man, and I don't know, we were young and stuff, and whatever, eventually he got into heroin, started doing that, we stopped hanging out, and then he overdosed and died not long after that, and I was about 17 when that happened, I was a senior in high school, and, uh, it's fucking crazy, dude, it was the cra- first time I ever lost a friend, it was devastating, you know, it was my best friend, dude, and, yeah, it's just terrible that that happens to anyone, and to anyone who's had a friend or family member, Or a loved one who, you know, has overdosed or become addicted to drugs. I feel free, man, because that's a rough road. And it's just fucking terrible what that does to people. And uh, not to mention it's all, you know, orchestrated by your government who's bringing all of the opium in from Afghanistan and starting these opium wars and shit. They want it to happen. They don't give a fuck. But anyway, so, CJ died, right? And... He had made me this little bracelet. It was like a Rasta colored bracelet. CJ loved smoking weed. We smoked a shitload of weed together all the time. And uh, this bracelet that he got me was really cool. And so I was like wearing it after that all the time. Every day as a tribute to him. I never took it off. And one night I got home. After hanging out with my friends. It was late. And then I went to bed. Now my bed was facing the door. And when I woke up. And the first thing i saw that as soon as i opened my eyes was my bracelet like draped over the doorknob which was cuz it was on my wrist when i went to bed right and it freaked me the fuck out i just stared at it for like 10 minutes and was like what the fuck is that you know like why is that there i didn't put that there I don't care how wasted I was when I got home, I didn't put that there, you know, like I wouldn't have done that, and it just really freaked me out, and I was like, I felt this presence, I felt like he did it, because this was like a day or two after he died, and it just made no sense to me, and it really freaked me out, and I was like, what is going on, you know, and I told my dad about it, and I was, it really affected me, It it was a powerful experience. I don't know how the fuck he could have done it. He comes here as a ghost and slips that thing off of my wrist and and puts it on the doorknob. Or did he possess me and make me do it? I don't fucking know. Or did I just do it? Unconsciously or something. It was sleepwalking. I don't know. But I didn't remember putting it there. It's certainly uncharacteristic of me to do something like that. I don't know why the fuck I would do that. But nonetheless, it happened and it's a fact. And it was very strange. Now, not long after that... I had a dream, and in this dream, I saw CJ, so he was he was dead for a while after this, maybe a week or two, and I knew this in my dream, so I said to him, I was like, <clears throat> dude, what's up, like, how you doing, man, and I'll, I'll never forget this, we were, I was driving on a mountain road, and in the middle of the street, I saw someone, it was a dark night, and it was cloudy and foggy. And I pulled up to this, this person who was standing in the middle of the street in this dark, foggy, eerie road. And I got out of my car because I thought I recognized him. And sure enough, it, it was CJ. So I said to him, I was like, dude, are you okay, man? Like, you're dead. Are you all right? And like, what's going on? And he said, yeah, yeah, you know, everything's fine. I'm okay. And don't worry about it. And everything's going to be okay. I'm doing good. And I was just so relieved to hear that, and it made me feel so good. And then he said something that seemed really strange. He said, You're going to see me on TV soon. And I was like, Okay. I, I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. But I was just, you know, I was just really happy to see him again, to see my dead friend. And after that, I woke up, and it was a really intense, vivid dream. Because I have, I have some crazy dreams to begin with. But this one was especially intense. And I went about my day. Now I went to school that day. Like I said, I was I was a senior in high school. And uh, I would bring my skateboard to school. I think this was after I crashed my car. I don't know. Anyways, I was skating. I was going to go to the park, I believe, after school. And this was the day after I had that dream. And... I was skating down the street and then it started raining and then my wheel fell off of my skateboard and uh, I didn't have a tool or anything so I was like shit. I mean, and it was raining anyway, so I was like, well, I'm not gonna go to the skate park now. And then I remembered my friend was getting a tattoo right down the street from where I was, like like a few buildings away. I was right there, and he told me to come, um, you know, hang out with him. He's gonna be there for like six hours or something, so if I wanted to pop by and say what up and kind of see how I was going then I could. So I was like, okay, I'll go see him and, and see what's up. Well, I went in there, and it was Distinct Ink Tattoo in Carson City, and I think that's what it was. And my friend Michael was there getting the tattoo, and the tattoo he was getting was a portrait of CJ, who was my friend who passed away. And he was getting it on his arm, and it looked great, and it looked just like him, and it was pretty amazing. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's awesome, dude. And then he was like when i get in there and he's he's getting the tattoo as i'm speaking with him and stuff and he says, "Yeah man, they were just in here filming a commercial." And i was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, dude, they they're filming a commercial and they got like a close up of, of the tattoo of CJ." It's like, it was dope and i was like, "Dude, you're fucking no fucking way that that happened today." You know, i was just mind, i was awestruck. It blew my mind. And uh I told him about my dream, and he fucking thought it was crazy, too. And sure enough, you know, later, a month or two later, I saw the commercial. I've seen it dozens of times, and uh, it goes to a full fucking zoom-in, like, full screen of uh, CJ's face on television. All the time, dude. I've seen it a bunch of times, and it was just, it was crazy, dude. So, now, what could have happened to... For that to have happened you know like what is it that the unconscious mind can do or that dream state like what realm do you tap into where they know what's gonna happen in the future and where dead people still exist or maybe they're in that transition zone the the purgatory zone between hell and heaven or between earth and heaven or whatever and um, <clears throat> you know they they know what's gonna happen in the future or these spirits do or was it my own unconscious mind who Like animated fucking CJ's dead body or something in my dream. I don't know. But all I know is it was really, really fucking weird. And, you know, what are the odds of that? That was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had. So that is synchronicity right there. And it's just a crazy fucking phenomenon that is just very strange. Now, that's not all. After that, I hit a mountain line on my, on my bicycle, I mean, like, a year later, it was June 18th, 2012, I think, and I probably told this story, too, but it's just the craziest thing ever, I was riding a bicycle down this mountain, and I wasn't even, like, a, I wasn't even mountain biking, I was on, like, a, uh, like, a 10-speed bike, like, what Lance Armstrong ride, you know what I'm saying, and, um, I was hauling ass. It was was the fastest I had ever gone on a bicycle. I was just kind of an idiot back then. I'm like 18 years old and just didn't give a fuck, you know? And you think you're indestructible when you're that age. And my ankle was sprained so I couldn't skateboard or else I would normally do that. And it was like a nice summer day. I had nothing to do that day anyways. I was going to hang out with the girl I was seeing at the time later. But I had some time to kill. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, fucking grab my bike somewhere and, uh I went to go ride it to Lake Tahoe from Carson City, which is pretty far, so I just wanted to ride it up the hill and then ride it down the hill back to Carson City, so I did that and I rode up a road called Clear Creek Road in Carson City, and uh, it's an old logging road that's just a private residential area now, so it's covered in potholes, it's not maintained, and you know, there's like dirt and cracks and all kinds of stuff and it's not the type of road you want to be going 50 miles an hour down on you know one of those bikes with this extremely thin tires you know what i'm saying so i rode to the top of it and it was about noon i wasn't wearing a helmet i was wearing like a ripped off sleeve t-shirt and some fucking cut off shorts i was looking good you know of course but i started riding down i wasn't wearing a helmet or anything and um Dude, it, it didn't take long before I realized that I was going extremely fast and it was very dangerous. And I was going so fast that like it didn't even matter if I hit the brakes. It was kind of like you just got to ride it out at that point because you can't just stop. You're going too fast. Like the brakes don't even do anything once you get to that point. And it was fucking nuts. So I'm riding down it. Going the fastest I've ever gone on a bike. And I must have been going 50 miles an hour. I'm not exaggerating. And there was all these potholes and stuff. And I began thinking. I was like, dude, I could fucking die right now. Like, this is dangerous. I should have worn a helmet. And uh, there was a truck going up the road as I was going down. And I remember making eye contact with the two gentlemen in the truck. And being like, that's when I knew. I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is dangerous. Because they looked at me like I was crazy. Like, holy shit. They see me just fly by. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm fucked, you know? I thought that I would fall due to a crack in the road or a pothole because there was a lot. Now, I keep going not long after I pass this truck and I'm going a million miles an hour and I'm going around a left-hand turn on this mountain road. So there's tall peaks on either side of me and a bunch of trees and stuff. And it's a beautiful summer day. And I'm going around this left-hand turn And there's a mountain lion that's just walking across the street. It's just crossing the road, like as if there was a crosswalk right there. Picture uh, the Abbey Road cover, but instead of it being the Beatles, it's just one mountain lion, and there's no crosswalk, and you're on a forest road going down a mountain. (laughs) So that's what it was like, and I was going so fast, and it was a blind corner, so by the time I saw him, it was too late anyways. I didn't even have time to scream. Or to move my finger an inch, it was a fraction of the second, a fraction of a second from the time I saw the mountain lion, and he saw me too. I we fucking met eyes too. I met eyes with this mountain lion, and this is how fast I was going: is he didn't even have a chance to move, and all I could do was hope that you know he would go past me, and I would just like skim his tail or something, and not die. Well, that didn't happen. I Well, oh, this is cool. I'm driving by a hot spring right now. So I run into the middle of the mountain lion. I just fucking T-bone him and then I go flying over the handlebars and uh I just thought to myself, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna die right now. Like I'm literally fucking dying. I just superman over this fucking mountain lion, go flying like a hundred feet, and uh I kind of like twist while I'm in the air, like flying through the air. So I'm able to like take it to my shoulder and my side rather than just onto my chest and onto my face Because I know how to fall I mean I've been skating and snowboarding and riding bikes and shit since I was a little kid So i have taken a fair amount of diggers I'm no stranger to that shit And uh, I land on my, my back and my shoulder and my head and I'm just fucked And I get up immediately to make sure I'm still alive Anyway, as long as for sure, I go to the fucking hospital and I get a bunch of staples. The mountain lion was gone by the time I, I got up. He must have ran away. And um, it was just the craziest experience ever. And it was just blew my mind. I was in disbelief. Like, dude, I just hit a fucking mountain lion. Like, what the fuck? On a bicycle. I don't even ride bikes, first of all. It's not like I'd go ride this road, like, every day. It was the only time I had ever done that. It was the only time I had ever ridden a bike for fun in general. So, just the fact that I was out there was strange. But the fact that I was out there and that this mountain lion was out there, which nobody ever sees mountain lions. It's not like there was a lot of sightings lately or this is a common thing in the area where I live. No, nobody ever sees fucking mountain lions. They're very fucking, like... You don't see them. They they hide and shit. And they they don't come out to reveal themselves to humans. They lurk in the shadows and they fucking... You just don't see them. They're stealthy creatures. So just the fact that I saw the mountain lion, let alone hit one on my bike, is just astronomical odds. And the fact I survived and all of that. It's just really fun to perspective that anything can happen in the whole world and it's just like there are things happening in this world and that we can't really explain and who knows what's really going on now I don't know what that has to do with the unconscious but it seemed like it was some synchronicity type shit because I did learn some lessons after that it really made me think that anything was possible and I could do you know I could do anything no matter how wild it might seem there's still a high possibility that it could happen, and that you could make it happen. And you know, maybe God or whoever the universe has has its own plans, and there's a reason for the things that happen, and there's a reason why you know you you go through the things you go through and have to persevere and overcome these these hard times. And I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but that shit was just too fucking weird. It was too weird. And, uh, you know, I've I've just had a a lot of experiences of that nature where you see people. For example, the dude who, the reason why I'm driving right now, I'm driving to Los Angeles because I sold someone a truck yesterday. And uh, this guy, I sell cars in case you guys didn't know that, unfortunately. You got to do what you got to do, right? But it's good money and you fucking meet a lot of interesting people. A lot of douchebags too, but this guy was cool, so he drove all the way from Los Angeles to buy this truck, it was a Ram Laramie 3500 with the ASIN transmission, the fucking 12 inch screen, had all this shit, it was like a $80,000 truck, and uh, <clears throat> he had been looking everywhere for this truck, and he finally found it here in cozy Carson City, Nevada, and then he came up and bought it, well, he had to drive his Honda Accord, I think that's what I'm driving, he had to drive that to come and get it. And then once he got here, he planned on using a, uh, whoa, there's somebody in my lane right now. What the fuck is this guy doing? Okay, we're good. Sorry, almost gotten ahead on collision. Now, so he drove his Honda all the way to Carson City. It's like seven and a half hours. And then he planned on buying a, or renting a trailer from U-Haul and then trailering it back to L.A., you know, using his truck to tow his car. But then once he got here, he realized that there was no fucking trailers available. Everything was sold out in Carson, Tahoe, Reno area. There was nothing. Absolutely nothing. So so he had to like fucking either buy a trailer. I offered to drive it down to him if he gave me some money and bought me a plane to get home. So that's what I'm doing right now. And that's why I'm talking to you. Well... It turns out, so this guy's from L.A. Not a lot of people come from L.A. to buy a car in Carson City. There's a shitload of dealerships in L.A., and it's just, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to drive all the way up here to get a car. But the funny thing is, this guy works for the the utilities company in L.A., uh, for the water company. And just a month prior to this, I sold a fucking Jeep to a guy who worked at the same place. And his name was Dan, and this guy's name was Richard. And I was like... I feel like I just sold a car to someone who works for the utilities, you know, water company of Los Angeles. He's like, Oh yeah. Tall guy names Dan. And I was like, fucking yeah, that's him. And, uh, you know how weird, right? That they both buy cars from the same salesman in Northern Nevada, which there must be tens of thousands of car salesmen in this fucking area between California and here. And how weird that they both buy it from me. Like, what are the odds of that shit? I don't know man, there's some weird shit going on in the universe Some weird shit indeed Now, I know that I focus a lot on the negative aspects of, of what is happening Because there's a lot And, uh, you know, whether it's you know the government And the fucking Illuminati type ass motherfuckers Whatever, that does exist But there's also a lot of good you know, there's some, some really uh, nice people out there and good people. But I think realistically, you know, let's level with each other. Life is pretty hard. And there's, um, you know, it's not easy to get through life. and We're all fighting this battle and, and trying to get through as best we can. And due to that, sometimes we, we overlook the things that really matter. Because we are working on having a comfortable life. You know, we got to work to get money. You got to work to survive. And when you're working all the time, you kind of forget, like, why we're actually here. And, uh, I mean, how many people actually think about that? I think there's some people who it never crosses their mind once to question their purpose on this earth and and what they're doing and and what they value and, and what matters in life. Some people may never have that conversation with themselves. And that's, I think that's what you need to do. And there's a lot of other people, you know, people much more intelligent and more successful than myself who believe that same thing. And uh, Carl Jung was one of those people who thought that, which is why he encouraged people to analyze their dreams and do dream analysis. Because what that does, your dreams, they're not just random images they're not just something that just appears for no reason they have they have a purpose and they have they're symbolic of something that is going on inside of you and going on around you because your mind it's an incredible machine the human brain is you are taking in so much information at one time and a majority of that information, a vast majority of it, is being stored in your unconscious. And the time when your unconscious is like fully exposed is when you're sleeping and when you're dreaming. Other people can access it through meditation or through hypnosis. Those are other ways to access the unconscious mind. But for most of us, we visit our unconscious only when we're asleep. Uh, you can learn these other techniques. I think yoga is, is part of that as well. But for most people, you'll only get a glimpse of the unconscious when you're sleeping. Now, when you start to analyze these dreams and, and look at what's happening and trying to figure out what they mean, you know, according to yourself, when you write down your dreams and you really think about them and be like, huh, like, what could that mean? Then you start to realize things about yourself and you start to bring things to light that have been hidden in your unconscious. And it, it helps you fucking... It just helps you with life. It helps you, you know, reveal these neuroses and these suppressed, it could be emotions or, or you know, all kinds of stuff or things that you, you didn't know that you felt that way about something. But it, it makes so much sense because, you know, some people get triggered by certain words or something and it's due to something that happened in their childhood or something that happened that they didn't really, they're, they were unconscious of. They weren't conscious of it, but it still affects you as if you were conscious of it because every time somebody mentions a certain word or something, you fucking get triggered and you get all pissed off and you don't even know why or you get all sad or something. You get depressed. Well, that could be, you know, something in your unconscious is being triggered and if you're unaware of it and you didn't even know that it exists, then there's no way that you can address it and, you know, overcome this neurosis or overcome this, this fucking issue that you're having so that was you know one of the incredible things that happened in the early 20th century was the invention of psychology and just analyzing the mind in a scientific manner and it had been done previous to this i mean you know dream interpretation goes way way back but carl Jung really took it to the next level and the guy who opened the doors for carl Jung to do it was obviously sigmund freud he wrote the interpretation of dreams um and, you know, Carl Jung studied that intensely and built upon Freud's work. But where they differed in their mind, in their, you know, explanation of things, which Freud fucking always hated Carl Jung after this shit for not agreeing with him, is um, Freud wanted to base everything around sex. He, he had a very Darwinian view of the world and everything had to do with, um, you know, natural selection and the continuation of the species and uh, survival of the fittest and the way people are survive is to reproduce and um, therefore everything revolves around sex because our whole purpose in life is to reproduce and support the continuation of our species and that's what all life forms do according to Charles Darwin which a lot of scientists they really believe that and that's you know that's the way it is and that's that's what they think about things but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true I mean it gives you a starting point to to go off of and you know something to think about and, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's what's happening and Carl Jung started to see evidence that that was not exactly true it's kind of true in some scenarios but it doesn't explain everything and uh, for Freud, he termed, he coined the term libido. And what libido is, is like your sex drive, and it's this energy that is flowing through you and causing you to exist. And it's, it's the source of all your desires and your aspirations, and, you know, your desire to become powerful so you'd be more appealing to the opposite sex so you can continue the fucking species and bang some bitches and have some babies and shit. Well,. You know, Carl Jung started looking at it and be like, well, you know, that is true in some circumstances, but in others, it's not. You know, there's there's something else going on. It just doesn't explain everything. And Freud got all pissed off, and then that was the end of their relationship because Freud was so attached to his own idea of, you know, everything having to do with sex, and that's the only explanation for anything, and nothing else matters. And uh, Carl Jung, I think Carl Jung was a, a fucking more intelligent dude and uh, he did all these experiments on himself and he worked with a lot of uh, patients and stuff and figured out what was going on now there's another interesting figure who we can mention as well and his name is Wilhelm Reich and Wilhelm Reich is the founder of something called Oregon Energy now he did not invent Oregon Energy just like Benjamin Franklin didn't invent electricity it's just always existed it's always been there He just kind of isolated it and examined it and gave it a name. Now, the Chinese gave it a name a long time before that. They called it Qi. The Indians gave it a a name even before that. I believe they called it Prana. And it's just, it's the ether. Nikola Tesla gave it the name the ether as well. It's this pervasive, it's everywhere. It's just this medium in which we exist. You see, modern day science tries to get you to believe that the ether doesn't exist, but fucking pretty much any culture worth a shit and any, whoa, deer migration says I'm about to hit some deer again. Oh shit. Um, any culture, you know, many of the ancient cultures, they all accounted for this thing called the ether, which is, (laughs) it's this like energy thing in which we exist. It's this medium. It's the substance where all the planets are floating and fucking it's just there man it's like what makes up space and stuff it's not just empty space as scientists try to get us to believe that we just live in this vacuum and all of a sudden there's planets and and suns and stars and and things like that well how the fuck can they can they live or i mean how can all this stuff exist within nothing and how could how could nothing exist in general you know, and there's just, there's just nothing there. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. There has to be a substance in which we are immersed of some kind. However, like, even though you can't really examine it, but then you, then again, you can. And uh, Wilhelm Reich did. And he called it Orgon. And he tried to find a scientific proof of the libido and, like, isolate it. And he came up with these experiments and he proved the existence of organ energy. He started building things called organ accumulators, which were boxes of varying, you know, metal and organic materials. And it would accumulate this organ energy. And then if you sit in it for a while, you get a boner. And that's what happens. <laughs> Other things happen too, but organ energy will like fucking, I don't know, it increases your sex drive and stuff but it does other stuff as well. He thought he could cure cancer with it and, and do all kinds of cool stuff. He also built things called cloud busters, where he could make it rain or he could diminish the clouds above him using this organ energy. And uh, this is the same type of energy that Nikola Tesla was able to tap into and do what's called free energy or what he called free energy. And it's just basically extracting the fucking... turning... Like, using this ether and making electricity out of it because there's like an infinite amount of energy all around us and it's just a matter of of extracting that energy from the ether and turning it into electricity which Nikola Tesla found out how to do and other people found out how to manipulate this stuff too I mean there's a lot of evidence that ancient cultures had a way to manipulate this stuff and had some sort of anti-gravity technology because it has to do with magnetism and and all kinds of stuff man it's just some crazy fucking shit going on in the universe that's basically what I'm trying to get into your head and you know what they they don't teach any of this shit in school which is why I mention it to you because I feel like it's important and this is stuff you have to study on your own because other people aren't going to fucking teach it to you especially not in school. There's a lot of dumb motherfuckers teaching college courses out there, and high school courses, courses for that matter. And then if you try to mention to this this stuff to them, they will just say it's not true, or say it's not fucking. You know, it doesn't matter because they didn't learn about it in school, therefore it can't be true because they know everything and you don't know anything. And this has been my experience um, with teachers and professors, and it's quite disappointing. So I've been doing all this research for years and, and finding out the things that they don't want us to know, they being whoever the fuck you want to say they are, but there's just a lot going on in the world, a lot of it bad, but a lot of good stuff as well, so you got to balance it out and find out what's going on, which is why I want to mention people to you like Wilhelm Reich, Carl Jung, um, Nikola Tesla, and, and just these fantastic figures Um, who have existed throughout history, who made these incredible breakthroughs and uh, really opened up our eyes to the reality and the nature of this universe in which we live. And it's pretty cool. another person, maybe I'll talk about this guy in the next episode. I'll do some more research on him. Uh, His name is Victor Schauberger, and he did a bunch of cool research on water. So maybe next talk I will do that. I'm going to try to do these... uh, podcasts more often. I've just been real busy trying to wrap up my new album and, and just fucking working all the time, dealing with all these assholes who want to buy cars. But you got to do what you got to do, right? And uh, I've been speaking for over an hour now, so I'm going to let you guys go. I hope you're all doing very well out there and you know getting through the day, looking on the bright side of things and, and having a good old life out there. So thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another one. Peace out, guys.